0: Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast about children's development from the Center for Inclusive Child Care. Welcome to Inclusion Matters, a podcast from the Center for Inclusive Child Care. I'm Priscilla Weigel, the executive director, and I'm here today with Joey Schoen, part two of our conversation on outdoor learning. She is the assistant director and also a classroom teacher at Dodge Nature Preschool in West St. Paul. And Joey, it's a great pleasure to have you back to continue our conversation about outdoor learning and its essential components in a child's development, and also some of the challenges that we can face when we're trying to plan for that area. And I think in this part, we're going to talk about some of the um, questions that often come up with some of the risk-taking behavior that occurs when we've got those um, moving parts as you are loose parts, as you refer to them in our last session. And then we're going to talk about just really um, combating boredom which is something that can happen sometimes. And then just a little bit about how we can go green when we're doing this and setting things up. So we'll just jump into some of those questions that might arise
1: related to the loose parts and adding to your play space. Absolutely. Yes, it's something that we didn't get to touch on last time we talked. Um, So yeah, we had talked about just bringing in a variety of materials that are easy, easy to find and cheap, and you don't necessarily worry if something bad happens to them, <laughs> like they get yeah. left out in the rain or that kind of thing. Um, but yes, I think people do tend to then start getting worried about safety um, or, or or risk involved in, in having those kinds of materials. Um, and, and uh, because maybe because they're different and because I think people might think that they're less predictable um then then like oh the slide is there i know how the slide works and then oh but now oh but i've got a plank of wood and what if they put the plank of wood at the bottom of the slide yeah. um you know so things might be less predictable in your space because somebody might move things around the, the idea of these parts is that they're movable and so so yes i think you you know you have to just so i think step one is just your supervision um sure. which yes. you're always hopefully baseline doing is oh is there something is there a big rock at the bottom of the slide we should move that when they're coming down. Um, so then just getting comfortable with just doing an assessment, uh, a, you know, calling a risk assessment. Um, and I, th- and maybe thinking through what the thing might be that you're worried about doesn't mean that kids can't do the thing they're doing, but you can practice calling their attention to something and, and maybe making a plan. Last time we talked, I, I mentioned some kids who had built a, a ramp for some balls with some gutters that we have. Um, and they had, stacked up a crate to, to get taller so that their balls would go faster and start, start up higher. And that might be something that not everybody's comfortable with a child doing. Um, yeah. but my kids right? just to, to give an example of risk and something that they move around and you turn around like, Oh, now there's somebody standing on two crates that I didn't know were there. Um, just giving examples of something that might c- cause concerns for somebody. And so, but we've been practicing for a while, like, Oh, are your crates? Oh, wait, it looks wiggly. Check, go check the bottom. Is it stable? Oh, and they'd they be like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, all right, get on, see how it feels. you know, Or maybe I'll have my hand there if you haven't stood on this before. Do you, wanna, do you want Do my hand to balance? Oh, okay, how does it feel? And and letting kids also be a partner in that risk assessment, right? Because they're gonna, they need to learn these things too. And so if it's wiggling underneath them and they're gonna give you that look, oh, come on down, let's figure out what's going on. Oh, it's not level, Let's let's get this level. So I think modeling that for kids and involving mm-hmm. them in those decisions. And then when you need to, you could say, oh, I can see, that you left the board at the bottom of the slide and someone's going to crash it. I'm going to move this. Yeah, yeah. That's that's
0: great. I love getting the kids involved. And it kind of links back to what we talked about in the first podcast too, about even connecting as a team. Um, you know, if you're going to... Mm-hmm talk through and plan your outdoor space and what's going to be out there that's going to be comfortable for everyone using it. So there's that communication piece. Well, you're you're also following that with your planning and risk assessment mm-hmm. and understanding, mm-hmm. because there may be folks that are on different points yes. of the spectrum on comfort yes.
1: with a yes. lot of that. So that's a huge comfort- part of it. it even yeah. here where I work, where people might say, we're very comfortable with risk taking, we have a range of comfort yes. levels. And so you do have to acknowledge that with people and and, and and have those conversations, and sometimes say, "Oh, yep, teacher, so and so lets you do that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not ready to do that today. You know, maybe yeah. when they come back, you can climb that, whatever, and and yeah. you know that kind of thing, uh, for sure. And the other thing I always want to, I always say, try to say to people when I'm talking about this kind of thing is also like baby steps are good. You know, yeah. if you're like, oh, I can't, well, where I'm not ready to climb two crates, you know, yeah. that sounds way too scary for me. Well, maybe they could stand on one crate or they don't even have to stand on a crate. Whatever your comfort level is, because kids aren't going to be. If you're not comfortable, you know, yes. you do have to be comfortable with what they're doing. So yes. owning your own feelings about that, and and just doing what you can, whatever little baby step. Because yes, if you do everything all at once, um, you know, it's that's not sustainable either. But yeah, right. talking to your colleagues and oh, did you guys know that you left all that there and then the toddlers came out and your yes. five year olds were fine with that, but the toddlers weren't. So what can we do to you know, to balance those kinds of needs within a program, but I think that's a huge uh, area that people need to, to discuss, and it's it's a great process to go through as a staff. I agree. if you have if you have colleagues where you are,
0: yeah, that's great. Thank you for for touching on that
1: because I think that's real a real common common
0: theme for when people are really working toward this, and also boredom and changing things (laughs) up and how, you know, so you feel, and for folks who are really making these adjustments for the first time, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of work and thinking into it. And so it could be kind of tempting to just say, okay, it's set up, we're done. This is how it's always going to be. But then there needs to be some adaptation and change just because we're dealing with children who are spending large amounts of time in this space. So Mm -hmm. how do you address that? And what are some thoughts and ideas um, related
1: to that? A couple of thoughts about that. One is I mean, if you're thinking about it as your outdoor classroom, if you, if you shift your thinking to when you're outside now I'm in my outdoor classroom, well, you wouldn't leave your classroom set up. I mean, you want predictable, right? There's the things that are probably, yes, always an element of your indoor space, But even within that, right, you're adding some variety, you're noticing new interests, you're taking things away when they're bored of them or done with them or maybe bringing them back later. You know, this is what we're always doing as caregivers and educators. And then, so if you're thinking about it as your outdoor classroom you're making those same kinds of assessments when you're outside. And, and if you think about if the, if the space, if your classroom never changed all year long, yeah. you would probably be dealing with some challenging behaviors and you yourself would probably yes. be a little challenged by that environment. And so if you think about a static playground that only has maybe, you know, kind of playground equipment on it and it never changes and you never get to, I don't know, send the ball down the slide instead of your body or whatever it might be, that you're probably going to have some challenging behaviors because they're going to, Need some more things to do, so I think that that's um, that's part of what can happen. I think if you don't think about it as a as a space that you're kind of responsible for having, learning opportunities uh, prepared or or at least ideas of where you could go when you're in that outdoor space, it can be very static. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the seasons change here, but otherwise, right. it can be very static. So I think so. One thing is just thinking about as your outdoor classroom, what materials you might want to you know be be we talked about that kind of other things you can add to that space, but then maybe another way to think about it is, you know, you go on field trips, right? You, you mix it up in your indoor space. Um, Mm -hmm. you, so are there things you can do to, when you're outside to, to change your scenery, uh, change what your experience is? Um, there's an idea I think is coined by somebody in the children and nature network. Um, somebody calls it nearby nature. So what do you have, what do you have nearby? Everybody has something. It might just be a tree in the boulevard. Um, or, you know, so what is accessible to you? um, that feels like a safe space. You know, maybe you're lucky enough to have a park you can walk to, but maybe you just walk around the block and Mm -hmm. look for ants in the sidewalk or whatever it might be. Um, even at your own, uh, sorry, care space, school, whatever, who, I don't know, we're talking to so many different people. Uh, last summer, the pandemic kind of forced us to change how we use some of our spaces we used our front space by our parking lot for the first time, like ever. And it was a wow. delightful space to be, you know, so we had to be aware of cars and do some things around that, but you know, just oh, a change of scenery. It can be mm-hmm. do wonders for us and it can do wonders for the kids. So there might be different ways to use a space that you already have, or there might be just little nearby nearby access points that, that you have that I think um, enrich your time together with the children. Yeah. As, as
0: you're talking, I'm thinking too about planning, you know, going back to our comments about planning and how essential that is for pre-planning mm-hmm. when you want to be successful in this work. Um, thinking about going for a walk, as you mm-hmm. said, noticing the ants, do you kind of have uh, a routine that you build in for the kids on um, things to be looking for when you're on a walk or things that you're saying up front before you leave the building and head out so that their their radar is up to say, oh, this is our theme for the walk today, rather than just we're walking straight forward and we're going right. some way, you know. Yeah, so I, think, are there yeah. Thoughts on that?
1: I think depending on where you're going and what you're doing, I think there's a mixture, right? If you, if you, I mean, um, if I was taking them to a park, I might not need to cue them as much because we're going right. to be uh, noticing a lot of different things around us, or, but it might perhaps you're going to cue them towards, um, I wonder what kinds of animals we're going to see. And they might be like, Oh, nothing. You'd be like, Oh, but look, there's an ant, there's a bird, you know? Um, so, you know, kind of maybe more of like an open-ended question. I wonder if -hmm. we're going to see this. I wonder, but it could, maybe you're going to go look for colors. Maybe you're going to go look for shapes. I mean, it can be a lot of different things and it might just be a place to get them started. And two minutes after you've started looking for things that are red, someone sees, something amazing. And, and, you know, you can, you can be ready to sort of loosen up your plan, but yeah, Mm -hmm. um, giving them a little bit of helping them with some focus, I think is a good idea before, before you, you head out on a walk like that. And then obviously you're going to, my guess is you'll have some plans around safety and staying together and those kinds of other sure. things you have to be planning for ahead. But yeah, your question was more about giving them a little like, look up, look down. Yeah. Um, those, yeah. those kinds of simple, simple cues. Another thought that i would had just about just variety could even be, maybe you're planning something special when you're outside. Um, maybe you're yeah. going to just have a picnic. You
0: mm-hmm. know, it's the same
1: old space, but we're going to eat our snack outside or our lunch. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, you know, we're going to wash our tricycles and get out the buckets in the soapy water. So maybe there's just something special that you can do outside instead of inside and mix it up that way.
0: I I love, you know, children, because when you're out on those walks, to just be able to go, wait a second, what was that? And you just open that up and you, I mean, to trigger the creativity, Mm -hmm. because you'll have the child who's really looking for something specific. And then Mm -hmm. the child is like, well, I'm going to tell you what I hear. And, you know, just to get that conversation going, I, I, it's probably you know, brings so much joy to the, to me as the adult in that situation where you just, you think this is so much fun. That's one of the joys of working with kids Mm because all they need is one little prompt to open the door to their thinking. And And it doesn't
1: always have to be true. I mean, you know, I walk in the woods a lot with kids and they're pretty convinced that there might be dinosaurs, there might be bears. I don't want anyone to be scared who doesn't need to be, but why not? You know, like why not? Like, yeah. why not? Yeah. I do. Yes, I think that the dinosaur slept there last night. That's probably yes. whose footprint that is. You know, yeah. why not? It so it doesn't have to all be. Yeah, it can be as creative as you want it to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> I just love it. I love it. So now, looking um, in addition to some of the things to be thinking about, you've um, talked about going green when mm-hmm. you're when you're looking at this and and those natural spaces, and um, you kind of touched on it a little bit about you know just uh, what you just said recently, which now I've totally lost my brain. Oh my goodness. The nature nearby, nearby yeah, nature. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, just touch on that a little bit about going green and what
1: do you mean yeah. by that? Sure. Um, I mean, obviously it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a slogan, but again, I kind of referred to this when we, when we talked last time, research shows it's, it's definitive green spaces are good for people. They're good for children. They're good for teachers. They're good for everyone. And so the more you can, um, I mean, even you know, they've just seen even just a view out a window. Someone's going to recover faster in the hospital. I mean, we yes. know this is good for us as people. So, any little way that you can increase the naturalness of your setting or nature in your setting, it's it's just going to be a benefit. I mean, so and it doesn't have to, you know. And so I, I kind of think whatever, what little way it could be, it could be a little pot of flowers. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be a bird feeder. Um, you know, so it doesn't. I don't think you have to. It it could be you get a grant. And you know, rip up some concrete and put in something. To, you know, so wherever people are motivated to to try things is where they should where they should take it. Um, but I but I think that to to also re- recognize that nature is all around. Somebody might you know, here I am, easy me to say I'm. I do actually have a nature center where I am, and I'm definitely aware that that's a gift. But you know, we all get the weather. Um, you know, there are animals yep. that are in urban environments. Um, so there's always going to be something that we can mm-hmm. that we can connect to um, that that's part of the part of the more natural world. um and then i I always encourage people to connect with their their passions. I mean, yes, maybe you don't love bugs and spiders or so I mean you know that that's okay, but maybe, maybe you do want to have a a flower growing somewhere, or maybe you want to learn the name of all the birds that come to your feeder. Um, so where do you, as the, as the caregiver have your little passion spark that you can model for the children? And again, I talked to this the first time that we met, like where you also then enjoy that time outside. Like maybe you're just excited as the kids are to look at who's coming to that, to that bird feeder. That's great you know, yeah. you're modeling that passion for them and getting something kind of wonderful in your day, right? We should all be able to, to take the, um, take advantage of these things. So yeah, whatever little way you can access it, it makes a huge difference. Um, yeah. and maybe there's ways to partner with your local community, partner with families. Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interest in this for, for obvious reasons, cause it is good for people. So I think you could also find, um, find some extra support. I know there's, some health and safety grants in the state of Minnesota that maybe you could tap into some of those for, for greening your schoolyard and, and those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So yeah.
0: that's lovely. I, I love the out to reaching out to, to pulling in your community and getting people involved. And I think that um, it's just, it's positivity all the way around. You're building communication and and setting, I think you said in the earlier podcast too, about the baby steps where you're saying that to kids, you know, really start, start with the crate down, or you're saying that to the other team members who are going, I'm not ready for that. (laughs) But also saying as a general community of care related to that childcare setting, we're going to set some goals for our outdoor learning. We're going to set some goals for our nature learning Mm -hmm. and sharing those with your families Mm -hmm. and And getting them involved, Mm -hmm. because that's when you do come up with those decking chunks that, you know, (laughs) someone says, oh, golly, I didn't know anybody would want that. Well, sure, I'll I'll make sure you get that to the school, or I'll make sure it gets to your childcare setting because you don't have a big enough car to pick it up. I'll bring it
1: over, you know, those kind of things. Well, and get to know your buildings and grounds team. I mean, back when I was doing my student teaching, there were these shrubs by the building and the kids loved to go and look in the shrubs and it it was uh, summertime and there were grasshoppers and they, and for, and I don't know, I was just a guest there. So I couldn't really push anything. They weren't allowed to go in. It was the the green space was the space that they weren't allowed to go. (laughs) And so maybe you have something that for some reason isn't accessible and maybe you could, discuss whether or not it could be more, I mean, I never, I never knew why but I just yeah. knew they weren't supposed to be in the green space. And I thought that yeah. that was like, huh. well, that's they're all over there. Cause there's grasshoppers yeah. <laughs> and they want to see them. And I exactly. had to tell them no. So, I know. Um, and that
0: creates a challenge on the part of the teacher and the children. And then, you know, you, it takes you to that challenging behavior and all mm-hmm, of those pieces. Mm-hmm. But really, I think the, um, and I, I know as we kind of look at wrapping things up here too, you know, as uh, a seasoned professional in your role, you've been doing this a very long time and it's, it's, fun to hear the calm and the positivity and the also confidence that you bring to this topic, which I think we all try to do in our settings when we're caring for kids. We're trying to model, oh, you don't know the answer to that? Well, you know what? Neither do I. Let's go look for it. Um, and so modeling just that curiosity, um, I'm, and, and I'm thinking about folks who really might be having a harder time and just a longer time continuum of getting comfortable with the full you know tubes and crates and all of that on the on the playground but starting with that goal communicating that goal getting families involved you know really build success long-term for children and everything doesn't have to be perfect tomorrow. It really no. doesn't.
1: And it's going to look different for everyone. I mean, I said the things that, that, that spark my passion, but everyone's yeah. going to, ha- you know, so I don't think it's a cookie cutter approach either, but I think if we all understand that we, it's good for all of us to be yes. spending time outside. And so whatever, whatever way you can make your attitude about that feel I I think most people actually know that internally, but then however you can make that easier for the kids that you're with. um, I think it's going to be good for everyone.
0: Yeah. Agreed. And I think too, um, just thinking about social media and and posing a question to all of you out there, our listeners, as you think about setting that goal for yourself and for your space, what are you, what's coming to mind for that baby step to really make a change and do it in a positive way. That's going to be a positive effect for you and also for the kids in your care that will in turn positively affect their families. So, I mean, that ripple effect is huge Mm -hmm. and it really means a lot to uh, have you here with us, Joey. One thing about the birds that I wanted to add Um, you know, the DNR, you probably know this, has a really great bird uh, thing on their website where it's the birds and then you touch on the bird and it's the bird call. And oh my goodness, it's just so much fun with kids because you don't have to go, oh, I'll look that up and I'll get back to you. But you can just pull out a device and Mm -hmm. click on that and go, it's a cardinal. Guys, look, you see that red spark of color in that tree up there? It's right there. That's what we're hearing. You know, it just, mm-hmm. I just—I think the tools and resources that we have to supplement mm-hmm. the teaching that we do these days is—it's just incredible. Yeah, it's you're right.
1: Incredible. And I didn't even smartphones. I didn't even think about. I mean, yes, get yeah. get every app you can. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> One thing that I learned, and it was when I was visiting Dodge, was what a bunny sounds like like the sound a bunny makes. And I'll tell you this story quickly as we close. (laughs) I was in one of the classrooms and I was group time and um, the kids had had, you know, you guys do, you were talking about, Rabbits, I think I can't remember the reason, but someone had looked on the internet and the teacher and had brought her computer, her laptop to the group and said, You know what, guys, at night sometimes you might hear this sound and this. And she pushed the button and we all listened, and kids were supposed to guess what that sound was. And I'm, I was thinking, I have no idea, I have not heard that sound. And here it was a bunny that was like crying out or you know, which wasn't a happy thing, however learn something new. Um, But you know, as you said, get every app you can. There's a lot of resources out there. (laughs) So thank you, Dodge, for teaching me about what a bunny sounds like.
1: Happy to do so. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
0: Well, thanks so much for being here, Joey. I look forward to hopefully having you again in our um, podcast. Reach out to us on social media and follow us. And if you have any other needs for resources, we have a lot of options on our website at inclusivechildcare.org. As I mentioned in our last podcast, Joey has also um, helped us out with a tip sheet on this very topic, and that is there available for download. So I thank you, Joey, for being with us. Thank you. And I look forward to being with all of you listeners again very soon. Take care. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit us at inclusivechildcare.org.